Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. Well, hey, we just sang the song. The last song was, in the first line, was Jesus is in the room. How many of you believe that? Okay, so together... Throughout this service, we're going to refer to Jesus as in the house. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Jesus is in the house. Amen. So if we believe Jesus is in the house, that means he's sitting right beside of you. Right? Even though there's somebody there, somebody there, guess what? Jesus is in the house. And Jesus is wanting to talk to us and... Uh, and I have four different points I want to make about God's pursuit of man. It is a part of the connecting series of God's pursuit of us. How he is more interested in our hearts than we are interested in our hearts. And because of that interest, he comes after us. He chases us down. We sing, you sang a song this morning about he's chasing us down. How many have felt like they've been chased down? You needed chase down, right? So there's these four points that we're going to make uh, and talk about, and it's going to be—it's going to speak to certain individuals in this room. It's not going to speak collectively to everybody, but I believe it will just speak to several different hearts in each one of these points. And the reason that I'm thinking about this is because I, I get to talk to my friends who are pastoring in different areas in different states. And some of the things that are going on in their communities is kind of like weird. And, I, and they say, how are you doing? And I'm going, I love my bubble. I love my bubble. I love Montrose. But even that bubble here in Montrose seems to be shrinking just a little bit. I heard a story uh, this last week uh, about a young lady, a teenager, who went into one of our popular coffee shops. And she had on Colorado West Christian School. And they said, we can't serve you as long as you have that shirt on. You, you've, got, you've got to believe. Bubble shrinking a little bit. I thought, I don't really think something like that would happen here. But we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for whatever's going on, whatever takes place with us. But what the Word of God is for us is powerful and it sets us free. How many believe that? Good, good. Well, let me read this definition to you uh, about the, con the concept of God's pursuit. It says, it's a belief that God actively seeks a relationship with humanity and continually reaches out to individuals to draw them closer to him. God is after us. And God is after each and every one of us in particular ways because he's after our heart. In June, uh, I talked some about uh, Adam and Eve, and I talked about the fact that uh, they fell into temptation, and, and the first attack on God's word was right there. 
But the consequences of their actions is something I would like to just read for you just a second. It's in Genesis chapter 3. If you have your word, turn there with me. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And it says that uh, after all this had taken place and their eyes were opened uh, so that they knew that they were naked, they sewed sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? So Adam said, Well, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I believe that This gives us an illustration, as Tracy mentioned this same thing, about God walking in the cool of the evening, walking with us. And God enjoyed that relationship and that fellowship. And even though he knew that they were disobedient, he still sought them out. That's it right there. Even though he knew they were disobedient, he sought them out. He's not like us. When somebody disappoints us, forget them. Just, I'm done. Because if that was true, I wouldn't be up here because he'd have been done with me a long time ago. How about you? How many of you know that God has spoken to you even when you were disobedient? Yeah, you know why? It's because he's interested in your heart. He, He wants to get to those components in our hearts that keep us from completely surrendering to him and yielding to him. That's what he wants to get to. And sometimes, uh, if we would just listen to our mouth talk, it would show exactly what's in our heart. Because what's in our heart comes out this right here, doesn't it? And how many times have you tried to reach out there and grab that word and bring it back, but it's too late? See, God is after that heart. He's after that thing that allows us to say something or do something with our mouth that's an embarrassment to us. And he says, I just want to get to the root of that thing. I just want to get to the root of it and get rid of it so that when you open your mouth, you are going to say things that are right and not just things from your heart that you're hiding. You see, this is the first point here, is that because of their shame, they hid from the Lord. See, God had placed them in the garden because they had a particular call in their life. He had things lined up for them to do that were going to be godly, and, and, and he was excited about this. And even in that disappointment, he still sought them out. And I just want to say this morning that I believe there's several people in this room who are hiding from God because of their shame, because of disobedience. There's a calling in your life. Actually, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, every one of us in this room are called. There's no exceptions to that. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, there is a calling on your life according to the Word. But some of us are hiding, and it's easy to hide even in a large room like this. And I've done this. When When I retired from ministry back in 2009, And I said, I've done, done. I am tired of people. I'm just tired of it all. I'm done. I gave up my license. I quit. 
My wife and I, we went and found a large church and we sat in the back. You know why we sat in the back? I wanted to hide. Nobody knows me. And I can be the first one out of the building because I don't want to talk to anybody. Because sometimes Christians are just hard people to work with. I, I, I don't, and that's where I was. I was, I was just hiding. And I believe God is wanting to call some folks out this morning who are hiding because they're tired, they're worn out, or there's shame, there's disobedience. And God is in the room, isn't he? He's in the room and he's saying, where are you? Where are you? And I'd like for you to respond going, here I am. Here I am. And let Jesus talk to you this morning as we continue the word. There's another example in the word. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of give you an abbreviation of it. And it's another example of Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and they're rattling his cage again. And he says, basically, there was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And you know the rest of the story? And one of them got lost. You know what the shepherd did? The shepherd went after the one that was lost because that one was so important. And then he goes on, he says, and there was this lady who was poor, but she had a coin and she lost the coin. She searched all over the house because she wanted to find that lost coin. And finally she located it and she was so happy. They had a party. I don't know how she afforded a party, but they had a party. And they celebrated. And point number two is, is that there's somebody in the room today who's lost. You've lost your way. I have a daughter who has lost her way. And my prayer is that every day is that she will be found. She will return to the roots of her life that she's been a part of, and she will be found. And some of us in this room want to be found because we're lost. Just don't know our way. It seems like nothing is working. I can't find the path that I need to be walking on. Sometimes we, uh, we get tired of the path, and I refer to it as an ancient path, it's God's word is the ancient path that still works and guides us today. And his word illuminates the path that we should walk on. And sometimes we just get lost and we walk over here and we can't figure out where in the world we are. Anybody ever been lost in the woods? It's not something we want to brag about, but it happens. That person, when they're lost, they want to be what? Found. Because they're off track. They're, they don't know where they are. And Jesus is speaking and is going to speak 
has already spoke, I believe, through worship. And it's just a simplistic word. You need to be found. And it might be the fact that uh, you're here and you don't know the Bible. You don't know about Jesus. But you need an alternative to your life to be found because you're tired of being lost and you need to accept Christ. So the Lord is in the room. He's sitting beside of you. He's saying, I'm here. Quit hiding. I want you to be found. Give your life to me. Luke 24 is another illustration. It's a great one. It's an encounter on the road to Emmaus. How many of you remember that story? Two guys walking down the road. Jesus just miraculously shows up. Well, this is kind of a reversal of what took place in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Jesus, I mean, God was walking with uh, Adam and Eve, and then somewhere along in there, their disobedience opened their eyes to sin and shame. And in this story, the father is walking with two other guys, and their eyes are open to the bread of life, who is Jesus Christ. And see, that's what the Father wants to do this morning. Point three is to open some eyes in this place today. I'm going to show you, we're going to show a video here. And instead of me reading this part of the scripture, the video is going to narrate that. But just let me give you a heads up. There are two guys walking, and they're talking, but it's in English. You can understand them. It's not in Anyway, so you're going to have the narrative over those two guys talking. So let's watch this video, then we'll come back to our, our sermon. This was the Son of God. traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. I know. First week he comes in and there's... I know. I don't know. I can't believe what's happening. So it was, while they conversed in reason, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? What things? The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him. Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And now you can see why Zacharias said, Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. The Lord is risen. You know, it was probably an amazing situation to have been walking, <laughs> the two of you by yourself, and all of a sudden a third person shows up. And what I find very interesting is that what Jesus was doing then, he's doing today. Right? Jesus is showing up. Jesus is walking with us. See, these guys were troubled because of all the events that had taken place with Jesus' crucifixion, with, uh, with what Pontius Pilate was dictating and saying. They didn't understand. They thought Jesus probably was going to deliver them from Rome. So they're having this dialogue, talking about their troubles, talking about their problems, and Christ shows up, and he begins to share them the word of all things. He starts giving them scriptures, and he says, don't you know your word? That from Moses, I'm on up. And he begins to tell them time after time, this is what was prophesied. What took place was prophesied. This is true. This is true. So we're all on a journey. Everybody in this room is on a journey, right? We're all walking. We all, we're all have our lives to live, and we're on this journey. And what Jesus would like to say to us this morning is, is, I know your disappointments. I know your hurts. I know the issues that are going on with you. But I would like to point you to the word that will bring you strength, that will direct your path. And what I find remarkable in this story is, is they didn't know it was Jesus. Yet they said at the table, wasn't our hearts kind of burning? Wasn't there a tugging going on? What was that all about? And I believe there's folks here this morning that God's been talking to 
about some particular things. There's been a tugging in your heart about some things that need to happen. There, there's kind of like a, a burning taking place, and you don't know what that is, and it's Jesus walking beside of you, wanting to talk to you. But what we need to pray about this morning is, is that our eyes need to be opened. Because once their eyes were opened, those two guys' eyes were opened, they recognized this is Christ working. This is Jesus. And we're breaking bread with Jesus that's why communion is so important to us. So every time we do that, we're breaking bread. Every meal you take should be about breaking bread with Jesus Christ. But I believe one of the, the, the dilemmas this morning with some of us is that our eyes are not opened to the spiritual things of God, to the supernatural of God. Though we may have 20-20 and we see clearly and we can pass all the tests and everything, our eyes need to be open to the signs of the times. Chronicles says that we are supposed to be aware of the signs of the times. We can't hide anymore from those. We need to see what is going on and how you and I make a difference in our culture, in our neighborhoods, in our work, in our homes, because our eyes are open to seeing what's going on, and we need Jesus and we need his word. Correct? So can I just pray for us for a second? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that for some of us, where we are blinded, and what we are blinded to, you would bring revelation and you would open up our eyes. I pray over the men of this room right now who have homes and who are husbands and who are the leaders of their families in the name of Jesus, that their eyes would be opened and they would begin to lead like Jesus leads. And they'd begin to see what Jesus sees and we'd begin to respond to the word of God and do what we are asked to do as leaders. I pray over the rest of us that our eyes would be opened, that we're not just walking blindly in this bubble that we live in, but that we see. We see where we need to pray. We see where conflict is, and we pray over that. And that, Father, we would lean on your word, and we would quote your word, and we would speak your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... See, we can't be a people who are walking and we're always talking about our problems. Are you hearing me? We cannot be a people who are part of the church of God who just talk about our issues and our problems. We need to talk about solutions because the solution is Jesus Christ. It's his word. We are to be a people about solutions. We see a problem, there's a solution for that problem in the name of Jesus. Hey, that, that's preaching right there. We need to be a, a group of people who see that Jesus can answer the dilemma. But we gotta be able to see. We have to be able to see. Uh, the last point is uh, uh, Revelations 3. If you have your word, let's turn there. Revelations 3. 
How many of you are excited I'm in the book of Revelations? Whoa. Here we go. There's a, an old photo that's been around forever, and probably some of us will recognize this. How, how, many, were, how many have recognized this? Yeah. Jesus knocking at that door. Jesus knocking at that door. And see, what has been interpreted in the way I was told about this growing up, that's Jesus knocking at the door of the unbeliever's heart, and he wants to come in. But really, if you look at the Scripture, that's not the context of the Scripture. The context of the Scripture is, this is Jesus knocking on the door of the church, saying, I want to come in. Who's the church? Hello? It's not this wonderful building we have. We, you and I, are the church. How many buy into that? Come on. We are the church. So here is a word to us from the, about the church of Laodicea that we're going to talk about for a little bit. This doesn't apply to everybody. And as a whole, it doesn't really apply to us in full context. But there's some people here that it's going to speak to. So here we go. Uh, Revelations chapter 3, 14. I'm going to get my page right. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your words, your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot. This is an interesting statement. I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'm not afraid of vomit. Our oldest kid, who's 46 years old now, we couldn't travel across town without having to change clothes. We had a bucket for water, we had a thing of water, we had a bucket, we had a change of clothes for her and for my wife. Anywhere we went, because this, this was just natural for her to do, and she still gets car sick if she's not driving. But I find this extremely interesting that God's word would say, there's one thing that makes me sick to my stomach. There's one thing that makes me sick to my stomach. And what is it? Being lukewarm. Because God says, I wish you were hot. And I wish you were either cold. You know why he says that? Because hot, you're with him. Cold, he can do something with that. Lukewarm, you're sitting and straddling the fence. I can't do a thing with you because you can't make up your mind. See, some of us need to quit dating Jesus and marry him and get into this relationship because in dating him, oh, I like him, I don't like him. I like him, I don't like him. I like him, I don't like him. Oh, he didn't call me the other day, so I'm not going to talk to him now. Knock it off. Buy in. So this, this is really interesting. So here it is. He says, this one thing that makes me sick. I'm not going to say it again because you already know. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed in the shame of your nakedness. That's an interesting statement here, in the shame of your nakedness. Let's see what it goes on to say. Um, in the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. See, uh, it was the shame of nakedness that made Adam and Eve hide. And here we see it repeated at the other end of the Bible in Revelations that the shame of nakedness does the same thing again with us. It causes us to be lukewarm. Let me, let me just explain what that, that means, that shame of nakedness means. It means that uh, we came to Christ and how, how are we robed? In robes of the world, in robes of filth. You remember the story uh, about the young guy who got all of his money? He ran and took off. You remember him, the rest of the story? He, he was living with the pigs. I mean, you, you got to be pretty nasty. You got to be pretty nasty to do something like that. And somehow he came to his senses. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that some of us would come to our senses and return to the Father. And he did. And what was one of the things that the Father gave him when he saw him? A robe. He gave him one of his most precious robes. See, and what God is saying is, is that we come to Jesus in our filth, in our rags, and he gives us a robe of righteousness. And sometimes when we get lukewarm, we've exchanged that robe of righteousness for the robes that we were comfortable with before Christ. And he's calling us back to him to walk with that robe of righteousness that he's given us. So we're not walking in shame. We're not walking with our eyes closed. When Father calls, we respond. So that's why he's saying this, and it's been repeated twice, that uh, we would be clothed uh, with garments that are of his. And he says, I want to anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, hear him. And, and he who has eyes, that I might see. So I have a feeling that there's some folks in this room who are hurting because you've been striding the fence. You've been riding that thing. You're lukewarm. And God's wanting to give you a different garment. God is wanting to get you motivated. And so I'm just gonna say it just like the Bible says, get off the fence and get cold, or get off the fence and get hot, but get off the fence. See, the thing I love about this church, and I have a lot invested in this baby, because all the way back to 1980, and I love you because you are generous people. 
We do a lot of things in this community, a lot of things the community does even here. And I'm not saying this as a whole church that we are lukewarm as a church because as a whole context, we're not lukewarm at all, we're hot. But there might be several people in the room who are lukewarm and you've been there for a while and Jesus is calling you out saying it's time to stop because Jesus is in the house and he's wanting to do something in our hearts and our lives. So just a real quick review. We don't want to hide anymore. We want to respond to his calling. We need our eyes open so that we can see what is going on around us and we know how to pray. We need to quit straddling the fence and start making that commitment to Jesus. Let's all stand. So I don't know where this settles with you, but um, I honestly believe that it's a very timely message for us to have because of what Jesus is wanting to do with all of us. See, to be honest, if your eyes are closed and you're hiding and you're straddling the fence, etc., you, you could be a part of this shoulder right here that this needs. But if you're not working, if you're not connected to Jesus, according to his word, we all contribute to the body. We all contribute. My hand needs my shoulder to be working. My leg needs my hip and my back to be working. So the Father is wanting to say something to us today and he's said it through his word. And I'm just asking you to respond to his word. We're gonna sing this song about reckless love. And I love it because it just wraps up everything we're talking about. How many of us have experienced the Father's reckless love? He took, he, he took us as we were, and He's just loved us. He's, he's chased after us, and it just doesn't stop. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.